Father, we are so thankful uh, this morning for the gift of your word by which you have made yourself known to us. And we pray that as uh, we think about the words that have been read and as we consider the words that are preached, that you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts and our minds, that we might be able to see and hear and know and believe you and your word to us this day. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, who here desires to experience blessing? Ra- raise your hand for me if you want to be blessed. <clears throat> if every hand in the room is not up right now, it's either because you're not listening to me or there is something deeply troubling in your soul that needs to be addressed, right? Every hand in the room should be up because we all want to experience blessing, don't we? The question is, how do we obtain it? How can we obtain the blessing that we all so long to experience? This morning, we're looking at a character in the scripture whose entire life was spent in the pursuit of a blessing that eluded him. And we're considering a question which God asked that allowed him to finally experience the blessing that he so desperately sought to obtain. The character in this story is Jacob, the father of the nation of Israel. And the question that God asked him was, what is your name? What is your name? It's an odd question to associate with the receiving of blessing, isn't it? How can that question lead to your blessing? It's what we're considering this morning. So so let me explain. Jacob was a man who for all of his life was in search of blessing. From before the day that he was even born... Jacob wrestled with his twin brother while inside of their mother's womb over the inheritance and the honor and the blessing that came along with being the firstborn son. When the day of their birth arrived, Jacob came out second, grasping onto his brother's heel, clinging onto him all the way through the birth canal, trying to be first. In order to obtain the blessing he so desperately sought. Throughout his life, this struggle would continue. Jacob repeatedly proved that he would do anything necessary to obtain this blessing, which he always, which always seemed so elusive. One time he opportunistically took advantage of his brother and bartered with Esau's life over the birthright that he coveted. Sell me your birthright now and I'll give you a bite of stew, Jacob said to his starving, dying brother. He saw an opportunity to use his brother's weakness to wrestle the birthright away from him. On another occasion, he took advantage of and manipulated his old, aged, hard of seeing, hard of hearing father and stole the coveted family blessing. Dressed in his brother's clothes to cover his smell and with the skins of young goats draping his arms in order to uh, simulate his brother's hairy body, 
Jacob went into his father, lied about his identity, and finagled the father's blessing out from under his elder brother. Being run out of his home because of these tactics didn't teach Jacob any lessons. He landed with his uncle Laban, where his swindling continued. First, he tried to take Laban's younger daughter for himself before her older sister was married, breaking the customs of their culture. Then, having eventually obtained both of Laban's daughters as his wives, along with two of their handmaids, Jacob began accumulating great flocks from among his uncle's herds, breeding the stronger flocks for himself and the weaker ones for his uncle. By doing so, Jacob became incredibly wealthy at the expense of his uncle and his uncle's family. For all of his life, Jacob was seeking a blessing. He wanted the status and the honor and the wealth and the privilege and all of the benefits that came along with being blessed. And when he found those blessings elusive, he proved over and over and over again that he would do absolutely anything necessary in order to obtain them. He would wrestle and manipulate and lie and cheat and steal from his cousins, from his uncle, from his brother, even from his own frail father. Jacob was a man who for all of his life was in search of blessing. As a result of his lifelong pursuit, Jacob appeared to flourish. Over the years, he was able to accumulate a large family, large flocks, lots of servants with camels and donkeys to boot. He acquired the birthright of the firstborn son, which would one day provide him a huge inheritance. And he had obtained the priceless blessing of his father, that whoever cursed him would be cursed and whoever blessed him would be blessed. In fact, Jacob ended up obtaining so much and grew so rich that at this point in his life, he had everything that he had ever hoped for. Jacob was abundantly blessed. Except that he wasn't. Because even then, even when he had everything that he had ever hoped for, even when he had everything that he could have ever asked for, even when he had, had obtained everything that he could have ever sought after, it still didn't satisfy him. Even then, he had no peace. Even then, he had no sense of security. Even then, he couldn't enjoy what he had acquired. Even then, he couldn't experience the blessing of being blessed. His heart was still anxious. His soul was still restless. He had no peace. We see that in all that follows in Jacob's life. Jacob eventually had to flee from Laban's house in the middle of the night under the cover of darkness in order to escape the wrath of Laban's sons whom he had cheated. This stole the heart of his uncle, the scriptures tell us. As Jacob fled from his uncle, the past caught up to him and Jacob had to send an offering to his brother as a bribe in an effort to appease Esau's anger and his own guilt over the transgressions that he had committed years earlier. When Jacob received news that Esau was coming out to meet him with 400 men, he had to separate his possessions and his family into two different groups for fear that if his brother came and attacked one of them, at least the other half 
would survive. Throughout all of this time, we're told that Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And church, do you see what a profound picture this is for us to consider? Here we have a man who for all of his life has been seeking after wealth and status and honor and blessing that always seemed just out of his reach. And in order to obtain that which he so desperately wanted, he was willing to lie and to cheat and to steal and to manipulate even those closest to him. And even when he did eventually acquire all of the blessing that he sought after, even then he had no peace, no joy, no comfort, no safety, no satisfaction in all that he had obtained. Instead, what Jacob had to show for his life was a trail of carnage and devastation to his relationships and regret and desperation in his own soul. All Jacob wanted was blessing. He was willing to do anything to obtain it. And yet, even when he acquired the desire of his heart, it could not satisfy him. I wonder if you can relate to any part of this story. Maybe you are constantly seeking a blessing that always feels just out of reach. If I could just get that promotion... If I could just obtain this salary, if I, could, if I could only have those friends, if I could only find this kind of love, then I would be blessed. Then I'd have all that I need. Then I'd be satisfied. Does it always seem like there's something else out there on the horizon that you need in order to be content? Or maybe like Jacob, you've acquired everything that you've ever wanted. Your job's been successful. Your bank account is full. You have that picture of perfect family. Only none of it seems quite so perfect or satisfying now that you have it as it did before you obtained it. You have the world at your fingertips, but the world doesn't satisfy you. You're still restless. Or maybe like Jacob, you've cut some corners along the way in your life. And you're constantly worried that it might catch up to you. Maybe you've mistreated and neglected those close to you in order to obtain all that your heart has desired. You valued possessions over people in your life. And there's a wake of damaged people and destroyed relationships as a result. I think if we're honest, we can all relate to Jacob in one way or another. We are constantly seeking blessings in our lives, but so often those blessings never seem to satisfy. So what do we do? How can we obtain a blessing that actually sticks? A blessing that lasts? A blessing that satisfies? A blessing that truly blesses? Jacob eventually shows us In our reading this morning from Genesis chapter 32, when Jacob found himself in a place of desperation, empty because of the unfulfilling nature of the pursuits he had pursued, afraid because of the way that he had treated people in the past, alone because of the isolating nature of the decisions that he had made, when Jacob was all alone and empty because of his life, 
Jacob began to wrestle with God. And there on the banks of the Jabbok River, alone with his thoughts and his fears, Jacob wrestled. And he wrestled. And he wrestled. And he wrestled with God. All throughout the night, Jacob continued to hold on to God. Even when he was injured as a result of the wrestling, Jacob would not let God go. As he had done with his brother at his birth, clinging to Esau's heel. As he had done all throughout his life up to this point, grasping after that which he so desperately desired. Now Jacob clung on to and grasped after God. After a dark night of wrestling, as the dawn of day approached, God graciously warned Jacob to let him go. For God knew that no one can see him and live. But in his desperation, Jacob refused to let go of God. And he told the Lord, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Having exhausted all other avenues, Jacob knew that God was his only hope to experience the blessing that he had been searching for all of his life. And he had come to a point where he would rather die wrestling with God than live another day without God's blessing. Seeing his determination, God asked Jacob a question. The Lord said to him, what is your name? Seems like an odd question in the midst of a wrestling match over a blessing. Until you understand what's behind the question. For you see, Jacob's name means he takes by the heel. It was the name given to him at his birth because he clung on to his brother's foot. Jacob is a heel grabber. Not a very winsome description of one's life. But it only gets worse from there because there's an even less flattering meaning to the name Jacob as well. It also means that he cheats or supplanter. Jacob's name identifies him as one who seizes what is not his, who circumvents proper channels, who usurps that which does not belong to him. This is why when Jacob stole Esau's blessing, that the second manipulation over his brother, Esau proclaimed, is he not rightly named? Jacob's very name identifies him as the scoundrel that he is. And so when God asks Jacob, what is your name? What he's actually asking him is this. Who are you? Really? What kind of person are you? God is asking Jacob to be honest about himself. About the nature of his character. About the deceptiveness of his ways. About the harm that he has done to others. About the selfishness of his pursuits. Who are you? What is your name? This may be the most difficult wrestling that we ever do with God. Coming face to face with and being open and honest about who we really are. What we've really done. 
For when Jacob proclaimed his name, he's laying himself bare before God. Jacob's basically confessing to God, I am a supplanter, a selfish, conniving, lying, stealing cheat. He lays himself bare. It's as if Jacob joined in our prayer of confession this morning, saying, I've done things that I shouldn't have done. And apart from you, there is no help in me. It can be terrifying to be honest before God. But what we see in the life of Jacob is that this is the only way to experience the true and lasting blessing that we all so desperately desire. For it is only when Jacob is brutally honest with God about his true identity, about who he really is, it is only then that God gives to him his blessing. We see it play out in Genesis chapter 32, verses 28 and 29, where after Jacob confessed his name, we read that God said to him, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. And there God blessed him. After Jacob confessed his name, God gave to him a new name. After Jacob was honest about the nature of his character, God blessed him and began to build in him a new character that we see throughout the rest of Jacob's life. In fact, the very last picture that we have of Jacob in the scriptures comes to us from Genesis chapter 49 and Hebrews chapter 11. And in both, we are told that as Jacob was dying, he blessed each of his children as he bowed in worship over the head of his staff. It's an image of a man reconciled to his family, gratefully gathered with them at the end of his days, at peace with himself and with God, worshiping God with a thankful heart to his very last breath. God changed Jacob through his wrestling. God gave him a new identity Made him a new creation and redeemed so much of what was broken in his life. But it only happened after Jacob wrestled with God and was honest about who he really was. This is how God works in our lives as well. We heard it over and over and over again in our New Testament readings this morning. In Matthew chapter 16, when when Simon acknowledged the truth about who Jesus was, and hence acknowledged the truth about himself, Jesus blessed him and gave him a new name, saying, Blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood does not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church. Jesus gave Peter a new name, a new identity, a new purpose in life. We saw the same thing in 2 Corinthians where where Paul reminded the church that if anyone is in Christ, meaning if anyone has been honest about themselves and, and confessed and repented of their sins and has clung to Jesus as their only hope in life, if anyone had done that, they are a new creation. The old had passed away. Something new had come. New creation. New character. New life. New purpose in life. God had given them the ministry of reconciliation. 
to the church in Pergamum. Revelation 2, Jesus encouraged the church that those who held fast to Him, that to those who conquered and overcame the lies of their age, He would give to them a white stone with a new name written on it. This is what God does. Out of His love and kindness to us, He will not let us be content with anything less than Himself. Because as we prayed this morning, nothing else in this world can satisfy us. Our hearts are restless until they rest in God. Out of His love for us, He will not be, let us be content with anything less than Himself. But when we're willing to wrestle with the Lord and be honest about ourselves, when, when we are so desperate that we cling to Him and realize that we would rather die than live another day without His blessing... But when we're willing to lay ourselves bare before Him and and hold on to Him as our only hope in this life or in the life to come, when we grab on to God and surrender, He blesses us and He changes us. New name, new identity, new heart, new allegiances, new purpose, new future. He makes all things new. What about you? Do you want a blessing that truly blesses? In just a moment, I'm going to invite you into a time of self-reflection on this question that God asks. What is your name? Who are you really? And in the time of reflection that follows, I want you to begin to, rest, begin to wrestle with God about who you really are. I say I want you to begin wrestling because this isn't a quick process. Jacob wrestled all night long. We often describe seasons of our lives as dark nights of the soul. It isn't a quick process. But it has to start somewhere. So if you need to, let this morning be the beginning of a new season of wrestling and surrender. For that, after all, is what the season of Lent is for. For some of you, this time may be an opportunity for you to confess that you are still living a Jacobian life. Looking for love in all of the wrong places. Grasping after blessings that will never truly bless. Or there may be significant character defects that you've been avoiding dealing with or hiding. But that you know you need to lay bare before God and surrender to Him. If that is true for you, then during this time that follows, I want to invite you to hear the voice of the Lord asking you, what is your name? Who are you Really. For others of you, though, you may not need any more wrestling with God regarding who you were. You may need to wrestle with God over who he has already made you to be. You may have already laid yourself bare before God and he may have already given you a new name and and already given you his blessing. But you've been unable or unwilling To accept it, to own it, to live into it, to experience the reality of it. 
When God asks you, what is your name? Who are you really? He may not be looking for a confession of your old life in the flesh, but an honest acceptance of your new life in the spirit. Are you forgiven, but not living in the freedom of your forgiveness? Are you a saint, but still dominated by the identity of a sinner? Are you a son or a daughter, but still living as an orphan? Are you an heir to the kingdom of God, but still living as one who has no security? If God's given you a new identity and all of the blessing that you'll ever need, and you're not experiencing it, why not? What's your name? Who are you, really? For some, this question will lead to conviction. For others, it should lead to consolation. But to all, the Lord wants you to grab hold of Him for His blessing. And He wants to speak to you. What is your name? Who are you really? It's either a pathway to obtain or a reminder that you already have all of the blessings. That you will ever need. So let's consider that question together this morning. What is your name? Who are you really? Amen.